In the rugged and remote Taranaki region of New Zealand runs a Waimeti stream and the isolated Manuka forests, home to the bees that produce some of the most natural, pure Manuka honey in the world. Manuka honey is a great daily immune booster, digestive remedy and an anti-inflammatory. It's also a great alternative to sugar and a powerful ingredient for longevity. Waimeti honey is a high quality New Zealand Manuka honey now available in Australia at Woolworths right around the country. And even better, every time you buy Waimeti honey, 10% of your purchase goes towards the regeneration of hive numbers to increase the world bee population. More honey, more healing, and more health for humanity. Waimeti honey, find it now in Woolworths stores right around Australia. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Damien Christoph and Dr. Brett Hill. Hey Brett, this episode's brought to you by Forage. Forage, love my Forage cereal, Damo, my Forage Paleo with uh, such a great way to start the day. I make my little homemade almond meal, uh, almond milk, I should say. I put some uh, strawberries on it. It's yum. beautiful. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I love Forage. Um, I created it with your health in mind, and obviously I created Paleo because you told me to. And uh, so <laughs> thank you so much for that. But this episode is brought to you by Forage. It's a great tasting, incredibly healthy, no added nasty muesli range that uh, I created to help you stay well. So if you want to see more about it, go to www.foragecereal.com. Hi, this is Damien Christoph. And this is Brett Hill. Brett, here we are at the 6th International Symposium with Bioceuticals. I think that's what it's called. Is that what it's called? I think it's Annual Symposium. It's, I'm not sure it's international. Really? I, think it's just, I think they're just in Australia. We haven't right. really gone around the world. I get a bit confused, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've got to go keto, but we'll soon find out when we interview um, a keto expert, Dominic, later on. Hey, um, fantastic interview that we've just done and uh, and it blew my mind, you know, like just having a really nice, open, heartfelt chat with a paediatrician who's vested. I'm not saying that paediatricians aren't vested in their patient's best care, but when your paediatrician doesn't offer up lifestyle advice and really guide you in that, then your paediatrician may or may not be giving you all that they should be giving you because they should know more and we've got gold in this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I think she's definitely a paediatrician with a difference and uh, and I think this is, you know, for any parent, if they're looking for a paediatrician, this is the kind of paediatrician they would love to find because she just, she's a, you know, she's a mum. She has two little kids who are very cute and... Uh, and so she's, you know, she lives it, she breathes it, she's, uh, but she's taken a very different approach in terms of looking at all of those stressors and the toxins in our environment, not just the chemical stuff, but the physical stuff, the emotional stuff. And then she's talking to us also, not just about the toxins to take out, but the sufficiencies to add in. And so what sort of stuff we should be conscious of adding in. And I love that she talked about adding stuff in first before trying to take stuff away. I think that's such a great approach. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And so Alyssa Song, Dr. Elisa Song, who's the uh, pediatrician we're about to speak to, or actually we have already spoken, to, we've spoken to her, but we're about to let you all listen to what we spoke to her about. Um, the, there's a, a really uh, significant uh, approach that she uses is very, very different to anybody else, and that is, um, you know, using a, a mother's 
kind of motherly approach to helping her patients is like what would you do for your children it's the same as what I would do for my children and uh, it's a really nice thing and, and you'll pick it up she's got a beautiful accent she's uh, from the east coast of the United States she lives on the west coast of the United States and, uh, and she's got some incredible knowledge and she's from San Francisco and she told us that the 49ers are no good which I thought was great so we'll make sure we share that with Lawrence Tam no let's she actually said that they're not doing very well at the moment that's all she said LT and I don't LT won't be listening to this so we can say whatever we want about LT because he won't be listening to this Uh, enjoy this podcast everybody we've had a a really great time interviewing Elisa and uh, we know that you'll uh, you'll get a lot from it and uh, we're joined today by Dr. Lisa Song. <laughs> I've had so many different people coming into my mind lately. And uh, we're joined today, you know, and we're both very excited about it because Elisa's been um, helping children in the States primarily um, with autoimmune disease. And uh, and it's a great story to be told and, uh, you know, to, to listen to Elisa yesterday, which was fantastic. Thank you for sharing what you shared yesterday. It's been really great. Um, I think we're going to uncover a whole lot of stuff. So um, let's get straight to it. Elisa, it's great to have you on our show. Thanks for joining us. How are you finding Australia? I, I'm loving it. It's been almost three weeks now, so this has been great. Wow. It's a big country. Um, so let's get right into talking about autoimmune disease and autoimmune disease in children. You know, autoimmune disease, I guess, is something we think of as more of a chronic disease. We tend to think of it and we think of adults. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about some of the stats around autoimmune disease in children. How prevalent is it and how much is it increasing? Yeah. Well, you know, the stats around autoimmune disease in particular are not as clear with kids, but we do know as far as chronic illnesses go. I mean, at the current rate we're going, and the U.S. is not too different than Australia, we have a little over one in two kids, so 50% of kids with a chronic diagnosis, right? And that, I mean, it runs a gamut from asthma to eczema to autism to ADD to autoimmune illness. But at the current trajectory, the prediction is that by 2025, Right, that's less than 10 years from now, the number will be close to 80% of our kids with some chronic illness, right? So chronic illness, I mean, and this is at young ages, right? And as far as autoimmunity goes, I mean, I used to think an 18-month-old was the youngest girl that I had with ulcerative colitis. But just a couple of years ago, I had, well, she's three now. So she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at nine months of age, but she developed her symptoms at six months, right? So, oh my gosh. Well, I mean, that's, that was, <clears throat> excuse me, the whole thrust of the talk, well, the two talks, right, this this weekend, really it starts with the gut and, and our modern lifestyle and what we're doing to our kids. There's um, There's been obviously a number of different interventions that have come into play um, over the last, I don't know, let's say 50 years. You know, in the last 50 years, things have really changed in the way we look after children, mm-hmm. um, not only around food but around medications, around interventions very early in their life. And I don't think ever before in history we've ever had such an awareness of such chronic disease in yeah. children. Um, do you think, you know, do you think that what we're doing with children at a very young age is 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 potentially we're going to look at it in ten years' time or twenty years' time and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe we did that to children? Do you think that's where we're heading? I mean, I hope so. I hope we wake up before then, <laughs> right? You know, but um, it's true. I'm mean, from the food that we're eating, right? What's called the SAD diet or the standard American diet, which is probably not too different, right, than the standard Australian diet, right? Um, and, you know, with, with the work that you guys are spreading, right, and more and more functional medicine integrated practitioners are trying to spread, hopefully that will change. I think the awareness is changing. I'm shocked at how many places in Australia that we've been to. It seems like every place has gluten-free options, dairy-free options, 
options, vegan options. So that's a step in the right direction. But I don't want it to be viewed as just a fad, right? Mm. Just something to do because it's supposed to be healthy for me. Mm. The the understanding has to be that really, you know, we need to make sure that our kids are healthy from the inside out. Mm. And that includes the food they're eating, the air they're breathing, even the thoughts that they're having, mm. right? I mean, we, we need to view their their emotional health as as much of a of a toxin right, that, that's occurring in their bodies as any physiologic stress that's going on. So there's so many factors going on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're talking about kids as young as 18 months of age having these issues. I mean, that's incredible. It's so early. So uh, how much of that do you think is as a result of what we're doing to the kids in the environment these kids are coming into? How much of it is as a result of uh, pregnancy care, preconception, you know, and, and I guess if it's preconception, then how far back do we know to start thinking about our health and well-being if we're thinking about wanting to conceive? So I tell moms who are trying to conceive, and as a pediatrician, I'll see kids mostly from birth. But if I have the luxury of talking with a mother before they're trying to get pregnant, I mean, at least six months, minimum six months, to try to clean up her diet and get her gut microbiome as healthy as possible. Because if mama's gut is healthy and if she's replete with all the nutrients that her body needs and this beautiful developing baby needs, then the baby's going to start off in life with the best chance possible. But we have kids who literally they're born with eczema. Right, mm-hmm. they're born with what appears to be reflux, mm-hmm. and so you know they're starting off life not on the right footing. So if we prioritize mama's health, even preconception, right, mm-hmm. starting with it, you know, detoxing her life, you know, cleaning up her house, cleaning up her diet, cleaning up her gut, then we're going to have beautiful babies to begin with. And you know, I would love to be put out of business, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at some point, you know, if I had babies born healthy, I mean, that'd be amazing. Yeah. But most babies nowadays are born with some element of gut dis- dysregulation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mothers are stressed, and we know maternal stress is going to change vaginal flora. It's going to change her gut flora, which impacts directly the developing fetus's gut health and gut regulation and that sort of immune imprinting that occurs even in the womb. And so, you know, kids are coming out with, with not the best chance necessarily, right? Now, that's not to say, I mean, for mamas listening here thinking, oh, my gosh, I didn't do any of that, right? You know, it's never too late, right? You know, we, we always want that awareness to start at whatever point you develop that awareness and you move forward. Even if your kids are already sick, there's always hope, right? Um, but it does start with with focusing on the gut and the gut-brain connection and the gut-immune system connecting for our babies. Mm. You were talking yesterday about pans and pandas, um, which I loved. I love that uh, conversation and, and to understand that, you know, children are suffering with these hugely significant uh, conditions and yeah. problems uh, and you know potentially the diagnoses or the labels that we've got for these kids are, are too they're not broad enough yeah. you know and it's it's a big problem um, and there's definitely now an increasing recognition of uh, this glymphoma which is a glymph Glymphatic Glymphatic system, system, Mm -hmm. not a glymphoma. uh, Yeah, glymphatic system, which I really loved. And I heard Dr. Scott Rosa uh, speak at the WAVE um, last year, which is at um, in in Life West Mm -hmm. in in Northern California. And uh, and he was speaking about uh, the biomechanical uh, dysfunction up around the... um, the frame magnum, the first cervical vertebra, um, and the potential incidence of, um, you know, congestion in the, in the, glymph- the glymphatic system mm-hmm. in the brain as a result of poor lymphatic flow. Yeah. Um, and I, I was struck, and I kind of sat there for a little bit listening to what you were talking about. And yes, there's a biomechanical component, um, potentially, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there appears to be interventions too at birth. So yeah. we've got forceps, we've got yeah. um, von Tuis, uh, we've got C-section deliveries. Yeah. So there's, you know, different cranial molding as a result of all those sorts of things. Um, is there much extra research going into that biomechanical dysfunction potential um, or is it mainly only hanging around um, from a biochemical perspective that we're looking at the immune system there? You know, I don't know uh, much research going ar- going on around the structural component of it. I think that's very important. I mean, I have children who do amazingly well with cranial osteopathy, craniosacral work, chiropractic work, and I think that's a really important part of the puzzle for our kids, mm. especially because of the, the intimate gut-brain connection and the vagus nerve connection, yeah. right? Yeah. And so if things aren't aligned and not flowing well from the gut to the brain and the brain to the gut, our kids aren't going to be healthy. I mean, just, just period, right? They're not going to be healthy. Um, and so, you know, so I don't know of much research going on there. I think it's really focused on the biochemistry and the neurotransmitters and, you know, the, the toxins that aren't being released. Um, but for kids especially, I mean, I talk to kids all the time about the importance of sleep, but really and truly, we need to prioritize our sleep. And it's hard for mamas and papas, you know, if you're, if you're a working parent and you come home, you know, and I do this too, I'll come home at, you know, six o'clock and I'm rushing to get dinner on the table. It's 630 we're eating and then all of a sudden you know it's bath time and bedtime and and I want them to stay up a little bit longer right because I just want a few more cuddles right or you know just one more story and they're asking for it but I really want it too <laughs> you know but but then right but then the bedtime you know if, if we're shooting for a bedtime of eight o'clock it just trickles into oh now it's 8 30 oh now it's closer to nine right and then they're not getting enough sleep and so if we just prioritize and understand okay during the weekday if we have to give up some of that we can make up for it with more quality time on the weekday and they're uh, weekends, um, and they're going to be healthier and more thriving for it. Um, but we grow in our sleep, right? Growth hormone is released in our sleep. Kids and adults too, but you know, kids when their brains are so rapidly developing, developing those new synapses and and laying down those memories, all of that happens in our sleep, right? Those memories get set in our sleep, so they're going to learn in their sleep. Um, and and of course, all that detoxification with the lymphatic system. And I talk a lot about toxicity with kids too, because really, when you think about this little being, right? You know, pound for pound. Or kilo per kilo, yeah. per kilo, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they're breathing more air, mm-hmm. they're eating more food, and they're drinking more water, mm-hmm. right? So they're absorbing many more toxins per, you know, their their body weight than we are as adults, and their liver detoxification capacities aren't quite as advanced and mature as ours, right? They may not be drinking and hydrated as much to sort of pee and sweat out, you know, the toxins. Um, And so many kids are constipated nowadays, right? So they're not getting rid of the junk they're accumulating. So at least in sleep, we can preserve that time to get rid of all the junk, right? And so I guess we're talking about toxins there and we're talking about, I guess, primarily environmental dietary toxins that come in. But I think what we're seeing with our kids is, is a lot of other toxicity, a lot of other stuff that their body isn't designed, whether that's EMF, whether that's screen time, whether that's lack of movement, you know, um, how important are all those other, you know, non-dietary, non-environmental or non-chemical factors uh, in this process? I mean, they're huge, right? And I think, you know, what I what I was talking about in the lectures is that every child has their own journey, right, into how they became ill and what factors were, were at play. And for some, it's a diet that's primary, but of course, there's all these other toxins that are there. So we want to think about our kids' inflammation bucket, right? You know, this whatever toxic bucket, this toxic soup that they're accumulating, yeah. and whatever's going in, whether it's the artificial dyes, flavors, preservatives in their foods, or it's the EMFs and the screen time, or it's the social media 
media anxiety that's filling their bucket, um, or it's medications, right, pharmaceuticals, whatever it is, you know, it's filling their bucket, and we need to figure out how do we lower this bucket. And sometimes it's just a matter of identifying the one or two key players. I mean, for some kids, it's their terrible diet, right? But for other kids, it's it's the screen time that they're on for eight hours of the day or nine right or nine or ten right you know and <laughs> yeah. and just the and the anxiety and the the dopamine you know rush and the addiction that it's causing and the you know the blue light coming from it I mean there's so many different fa- but but I do think that that screen time and wi-fi and emfs are a huge factor mm-hmm. in why so many of our kids are having anxiety these days um, and why really we're not able to um, uh, move the needle sometimes yeah I remember a long time ago when I was a kid. Do you like that? Not too long ago. <laughs> you like that. See, I fished for that one. No, I like that. I fished for that one. <laughs> so when I was a kid, uh, if something, you know, if we were ever stressed, we were told to go outside. Mm-hmm. But rarely did we get stressed. You know, you probably got stressed because your brother stood on your favourite Smurf. Yep. Um, or uh, you dropped your Lego and, you know, you built this big tower and it fell over and it hit the cat and the cat cracked it. And yeah. So that was about what stress. In bare feet. Step to, yeah, oh my gosh, remember that? Step to your Lego and BFP, that's right. But um, stress these days for kids is in utero. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents are stressed, um, the home life's stressed, we drive fast. Even when we're on time, we're still Absolutely. driving fast to get there. Most of us are adrenal junkies. Um, many people start the day with a caffeine hit just to mm-hmm. get going because they feel that they need to, you know, switch into full gear, for, yeah. you know, straight away. And we expect our kids to keep up with that. And I think yeah. that kids are growing up too fast. Yeah. Um, they're not enjoying their childhood. They're not running around getting dirty. They're not rolling in the mud mm-hmm. anymore. They're maybe rolling on 3M treated carpet, and um, and that, that worries me. Yeah. Well, and it's also you know when I was growing up, it was it was a small town, but just outside of Manhattan, it wasn't a you know rural town. But you know we were out after school. I mean, a group of us kids just running in the streets, climbing trees, whatever it was, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and until dinner time, yeah. right? And our parents, I mean, you know, it's a different time now, right? Most parents don't feel comfortable necessarily letting their kids run the streets. And also, there's usually not necessarily someone at home waiting for them now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just a different time. And so and so that's, and I do see that. I mean, we do put our kids into after-school programs and sports because we need them to have something to do, right? Yeah. But then you're kind of hiring drivers just to get them from one place to the other, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but I love what you said, that they're really stressed from inside the womb, right? Because whether or not, you know, women are able to take time off from work and slow down during the pregnancy, most women aren't. They don't have those external supports, right? And they're in this sort of sympathetic overdrive state. And we know that that can increase the likelihood of allergies in babies. Uh, and though, and then when the babies come out and they're nursing, and nursing is beautiful and natural, but it's not necessarily easy. <laughs> and it can be really painful, right? And so then you're, you're also, again, most women are isolated in that initial sort of you know, first weeks or months of life when you're trying to establish that that mother-infant diet and nursing, you know, pair, um, which is, I mean, it was so stressful for me, and I'm a pediatrician, right? I mean, it was one of the most stressful times. And so then you're getting this adrenaline surging through your breast milk, right? Yeah, totally. So it's... Why it's, was it so stressful for you? <clears throat> you don't know, sharing. No, absolutely not. Um, it hurt. <laughs> I mean, it was really, it was painful. I'm not going to lie. Until we got that rhythm set and we figured out that my son actually had a tongue tie and, uh, and got right. that revised and that was huge. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I have beautiful friends and family, but I don't have any family near me, mm-hmm. right? And so my family is on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my sister came out. I remember the first 
two weeks to help out. And when she left, I was just in tears bawling. I yeah. mean, because really, you know, when you're, it's hard to ask for help, mm-hmm. right? And so I had friends helping me, but you know, there's, there's only, they can't live with you. Right. Yeah. And so I wasn't eating enough. I wasn't drinking enough. I still was thinking in my mind, yeah. you know, I have to go back to work in two and a half months. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and I still hadn't finished all the work from before I was in the hospital with the, with the baby. So I was still trying to do work during my downtime. So I wasn't napping. So it's just, you know, it's silly now that I think it's about it. I think, like you know, doing enough, isn't it? yeah, yeah. And so, and then, you know, <clears throat> with my son, my daughter was only, I mean, she was less than two. Right. So then you have the maternal guilt of, oh, my daughter, I'm not paying enough attention to her. So every free moment I'm going for a walk with her. I'm trying to do something fun with her. Right. And so I think, you know, the best thing and literally sometimes now now when I see moms doing this, I'll write on my prescription pad, you know, sleep when you can. Like literally dad has to take the baby, you know, for one feed and you sleep six hours straight. Mm which is golden when you're in that adrenaline yeah, right. overdrive, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, but I think nowadays kids don't know how to slow down. They don't know how to prioritize just doing nothing and, you know, just kind of being still because we don't know how to, yeah. right? I mean, the hardest part for me is being still because even when I'm still and have a quiet moment, I'm still thinking, oh, what are the other things I have to do, right? Yeah. I mean, you do that too as, you know, as entrepreneurs, <laughs> right, and business owners, Absolutely. we all do that, right? And so, you know, that's where I have an app on my phone, <laughs> you know, that I, I mentioned and it's called Insight Timer where literally there's a five-minute meditation that I love. And so I tell any mom and dad, you know, and kid, you have five minutes like there's no excuse to not do meditation for five minutes right and there's no excuse for not going outdoors at least once a day getting your feet on the ground and just being in the sun (laughs) unless there's no sun sun. (laughs) well i I love that because we're now talking about some stuff we can i guess add in you know because we spent a lot of time over the weekend talking about the toxicities and and, and foods to avoid so you know gluten and dairy and eggs has come up a lot and screen time and all those sort of things so for parents out there thinking well okay what can i add in that's going to really help and make a big difference whether you know chemically physically and emotionally obviously emotionally the the app and the five minutes might have to be a wellness guys challenge demo but uh you know that what what else what else can people add in well so i you know i love that you talk about what you can add in because we want to give parents a message of hope right yeah. you know because you think about you know especially if your children are sick and you're thinking oh my gosh what i have 10 things i have to get rid of in their diet and 50 things i have to throw out in my cupboards yeah. and you know and how do i slow down when when i don't have the time to slow down right yeah. and so especially for kids to giving that message of hope and always talking about what we can do proactively what we can add in first yeah. even before taking anything away you know so for instance with elimination diets. I mentioned the things that I would like them to remove at some point, but we always add in first, right? We always add in, you know, try, you know, I'll say, go to the store, try 50 different pasta substitutes, you know, and just try, right? It's not a race to be on a hundred percent elimination diet, right? This is, this is for your lifetime. This is a journey, right? Um, and then in terms of adding in the mindfulness and the meditation, which I tell parents is, is, Equally important to any supplement I recommend, any dietary change I recommend, any lifestyle change I recommend, you have to practice that mindfulness, right? So that, I mean, they're really fun apps for kids. 
There's one called Breathe for Kids. It's animated that kids can use. There are fun stories. One of my favorite stories for young kids is called The Goodnight Caterpillar that teaches progressive relaxation. I mean, I read this for a class full of kindergartners, and they're literally on the floor at the end of the session with their eyes closed, <laughs> you know, nearly asleep. And I've had, like, yes. yeah, and I've had, te- I've had teachers come and say, what did you do to them? I'm like, I swear I didn't do anything except read a story, right? But kids, yeah, I mean, kids meditate with stories, yeah. right? Just having them use their brain and tell you a story, yeah. right? I mean, that's the perfect way to just, you know, teach them mindfulness right there. Um, now, uh, I really enjoyed something you said yesterday. You know, I wrote a book called Nourish Without Nagging, which is all about how to get your kids to love yeah. to eat healthy. And um, yeah, one, of the things, one of the things I talk about a lot is about finding out what your kid's why is and helping show them why they would want to do yeah. something, not why we would want to do it and how different that's those right. are. So I heard you explain that really well yesterday. So I'd love for our listeners to be able to hear that as well. Yeah, so you know, when I when you want to motivate kids, it's so hard because parents will come in and say, You tell them you're the doctor, they'll listen to you, right? Tell them they can't eat candy. Tell them they can't. like, well, you know, you can tell them that they can't do something, but they're not gonna do that. They're not gonna choose healthy lifestyles unless they really understand why and, and they're motivated themselves. Right. And so a our motivation might be, well, we want them to be healthier, right? Yeah. We want them to go into remission. It's and so exciting when you're five, isn't it? I know, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I don't know, right? But for kids, if they want to, you know, if their goal is to run faster down the soccer field, yeah. right? Or if their goal is to, you know, memorize their their play lines better, right? Or, or play their violin more, you know, more beautifully. Whatever it is, right? Every child has something that they love to do and they wish, oh, I wish I could be a little bit better at it, right? Yeah. So that's your motivation point, mm-hmm. right? And you tell them, you know what, if you, you know, if we can get you to have these beautiful foods that will make your brain smarter or make your legs faster, right? I promise you, it's not going to be easy, but you're going to be able to run down the soccer field faster, right? You're going to be able to take your SATs, the standardized testing, more, more effectively for college, right? You know, you're going to be able to play, you know, go in front of the audience and play your violin piece beautifully, whatever it is, right? But we need to think about it in those terms and not think about don't do this, don't do that, you know, because I told you so because it's good for your health, but, you know, do this because it's going to get you the results that you want for you as a kid, right? And whatever that is at any age. I've got a friend who's here at this seminar at the moment. He's a chiropractor. Um, He lives in a very polluted environment. Um, His little daughter's been diagnosed with uh, juvenile idiopathic arthritis. Horrendous, right? Horrendous. Been chasing this kind of, you know, trying to work out what's going on. Different tests have shown, you know, different levels of heavy metals, arsenic, for example, yeah. and and in the area that he lives, there's pollution in the environment. Yeah. There's a lot of pollution. Yeah. It's a yeah. country region, but there's paper mills and there's mm-hmm. um, coal fire for power and and all and all of these sorts of things. What advice do you give to these sorts of people that live in you know these sorts of areas, you know, um, that are exposed to so much toxicity? Yeah. There's only so many things you can do to take to improve your elimination or your detoxification yeah. is is it a case of these people should move out of that environment is that is that what they've got to do or how else do they protect their children you know, I think it depends on how sick kids are, right? You know, because really with kids, um, well, with anyone, um, if let's say if you are really sick with mold, right, and mycotoxins, yeah. in those cases you have to move out, right? And you can remediate your home in the process and, and eventually maybe move back in, but sometimes you just have to move out. Mm-hmm. Um, if your child is very sick and you know that the main inflammation bucket filler are those toxins, mm-hmm. then I would get out for a little bit. 
yeah. you know, um, because if you're trying to detox, but you're constantly pouring in toxins, you're not going to, you're not going to move in that upward trajectory, right? You're going to be at a standstill, yeah. right? But otherwise, you know, if you're, if, you know, that's part of the picture, then working on the gut because we detoxify through our gut, right? Sure. Making sure your kids are sweating and exercising and, you know, doing all of those things that help us detoxify and perhaps even adding in a little bit stronger, you know, kind of detoxification measures, um, you know, I do a lot of sort of natural chelation, chelation I call it, but um, I don't. Vitamins? Is that what you Yeah, you know, chlorella, garlic, yeah. parsley, yeah. right? I do some homeopathics. Yeah. Um, you know, so there are some great ways that we can um, get rid of metals without, you know, some of the more intensive um, aggressive treatments, yep. right? Um, and then really making sure that the child and the family understands how to make detoxification a lifestyle, mm. right? From from the moment you wake up, right, we're, we're putting clean products on our skin, um, we're eating clean foods, we're having green smoothies, you know, we're brushing, we're in the sauna, we're doing Epsom salt baths, right? You know, all those things, we're, we're out it's in nature. Lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, yeah. right? And our kids, I mean, they're, they, they're going to face a lifetime of toxins, right? We just can't avoid it. And, you know, and many of us wouldn't necessarily want to go back to the days where we didn't have electricity, right? Or we didn't have, you know, all of our modern conveniences. Yeah. They love it. But, you know, we can't, I mean, even if you're in those remote places, you really can't avoid it 100%, right? Um, So making sure that we, we know how to make detox a lifestyle without having it be a burden, right? Yeah, well, I'd love to uh, hear a little bit about how that looks for you. You know, you've got two gorgeous kids. We've enjoyed seeing some of the pictures of them over the weekend. So what does that look like on a day-to-day basis for you? Like, What what sort of stuff do you have for breakfast? What what are the go-to supplements that you always take to try and keep on track? Those sort of things. Yeah, well, I I will say we don't always take supplements. And I tell patients that too, right? I mean, we we go through phases where, you know, the motivator is not feeling well, Mm -hmm. right? Where we're just a little off, everyone, and so we get back on our supplements. And then, and then you start feeling great, and you're like, oh, I'm going to ease up a little bit, right? So I want I want patients and kids to know that, right? Mm -hmm. Because it it doesn't have to be perfect. Now, when you're sick, I do tell patients and parents, this is the time to try to be perfect, right? This is the time we're trying to heal. But when you're better, then then we know, okay, we can live by that eighty twenty rule, right? Um, But the fish oils that are our mainstay, we have, um, you know, our fish oils, we have our probiotics, our vitamin D. I mean, those are I'm fairly consistent with, Mm -hmm. and then occasionally I have to methylation supports because I know I. I myself have an MTHFR mutation, so we haven't checked the kids yet, but, you know, we're presuming we have some autoimmunity in the family, some cancers in the family, so we just provide some methylation supports. And they have a food-based multi that they'll take every once in a while. Um, What's that one? You know, it's it's the Metagenics Phyto Multi. Oh, yeah. So it's got, I mean, it's very green tasting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, for us, we don't eat a ton of grains in the family. I mean, we're not paleo, but, you know, we just don't have a lot of grains in the family. So breakfast tends to be, um, you know, eggs and uh, maybe some bacon or um, possibly we'll do some oatmeal. Um, I might make um, like a paleo pancake, right? And we have lots of fruit. I try to have vegetables at breakfast. If you're trying to get in five to ten servings of vegetables mm-hmm. in a day, you can't do that without having it at all meals, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and without having maybe a smoothie, right? Yeah. And you don't have any worries about eggs because they've come up a few times this weekend in terms of potential allergens? So, yes. You know, when my son had enlarged tonsils and, and was diagnosed with sleep apnea and I checked his food sensitivity panel, eggs came up.
up and I was so bummed, right? Because eggs to me, I mean, they, they really, unless you're sensitive or allergic to them, they, they're such a perfect food, right? I mean, the, the white, you know, is just such a perfect, you know, protein source and the yolks are full in choline and cholesterol, which our baby's brains need, right? So, I mean, I love eggs and I was so bummed, right? So we took them out temporarily, right? But I think if you're, it, it's just, you just don't want to overdo anything, right? Because when I look back at that point, we were literally eating eggs every day, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, even the healthiest of foods you can become sensitive to, it's just yeah. too much of a good thing, right? You need to get that variety in. Mm-hmm. Um, and for lunch, I always pack a few different vegetables into the lunchbox. That's, lunches are hard for me, you know, to be grain-free. So they'll usually have, you know, a sandwich on a gluten-free, you know, um, bread, or maybe they'll have... Um, You've got a great wrap over there now. There's a great wrap in the States, and it's made with, like, flattened tomato it's like a oh it's a, the paleo wrap right there's oh, I, I had them the other day I've taken photos I'll show you because I went to Expo West and I found that's the only thing I found at Expo West that I liked actually but it was, yeah. uh, it was good uh, you know and the kids they, we do uh, give them uh, leftover from dinner as well right in their thermos and, and we just heat yeah. that up in the in the thermos um, and, and dinner is usually a protein and a vegetable you know a couple of different vegetables and that's our dinner sounds, right sounds I mean we no, it, it was funny. We had um, a friend come over, right? And they were asking for, um, well, the, the child was not quite as um, varied in their diet. And, and so uh, the mom asked, well, do you have any pasta? And I'm looking through the cover like, oh, my God, we have no pasta in this house. I'm like, not a single box of pasta, right? And we didn't have rice in the house. <laughs> you know, so I said, sorry, you're going to have to eat what we eat. Yeah. Or you can wait till you go home. Is that when my dad comes to our house? <laughs> Where's the food? <laughs> uh, fantastic. Well, we've got to stop. We've got to stop because, but, but we could keep on going forever. Um, I'd love for people who love the sound of what you're talking about and the message that you're promoting to be able to come and find you. Um, where, what's the website they need to go to? Or how can they get more information from you, Alyssa? Um, so the website, I started an online resource for parents and practitioners who want to learn more about holistic and integrated pediatrics. And it's called Healthy Kids, Happy Kids. So it's www.healthy kidshappykids.com. Um, the other thing that they can look at, I've hosted two online summits called the Thriving Child Summit, mm-hmm. which has been amazing. I do plan to host one in 2019 um, with just, you know, experts that need to be heard but don't necessarily have a platform that are that are really working in, in this integrated pediatric field. Um, and then Facebook. I, you know, I don't, I don't post a ton. I'm not one of those people that posts, you know, three, four, five times a day. But what I post is, you know, are just really relevant articles. And I try to give my interpretation and recommendations. Um, So that's another great way for me to get information out to parents and practitioners. Great. Great. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for uh, joining us on the Wellness Guys show. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Wellness Guy Show. We hope you love the new feel. Remember to continue to interact with us and tell us what you thought of this and other episodes. Please head to facebook.com forward slash thewellnessguys and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. This is the way that we get to share our message with the world. For more information about Bredo and all that he's up to, please head to drbredhill.com.au. And to find out more about me, head to damienchristoff.com. Until we meet again, continue to bring wellness into your life and we'll join you next time on The Wellness Guy Show. This year, The Wellness Summit returns. What is the ramifications for you if you continue to not know where your food is coming from and not make a hard stand about what you're consuming? Back in 1992, I didn't know how to cook. In fact, I ate really poorly as many of you know. 
but I now love it so much that when I go to prepare something, it becomes magical. Don't want you to be stuck in the, the crap that's happening. Know it, yes. Be aware of it, yes. But bring your vibration up so that we can vibrate at a higher level and collectively, we might be able to bring everybody up to make those changes. I love preparing it. I know that everyone who's eating it absolutely loves it. Even the bits that they don't want to eat, they love eating them because I love making them. Does that make sense? Cindy O'Meara and Damien Christoph feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.